Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. I didn't share this in the first service, but it was actually about four years ago that Jimmy saw a vision of me on stage in the resting place with the full leadership of the, of the TRP leadership team behind me, and I was preaching. And that was four years ago. Four years ago, Jimmy saw a man named Joel on stage preaching with the full power of the TRP leadership team behind me, and now here we are, four years later, vision fulfilled. And, you know, I wasn't even always part of TRP in the last four years. Like, I came here, uh, you know, then I was like, well, that drive is really far, so I found a church in Carrollwood. And then I was like, man, that church in Carrollwood is not TRP. So then I was like, hey, why don't we just start TRP in Carrollwood? And so for those of you who don't know, uh, I am Pastor Joel. I am the pastor of the Resting Place Carrollwood, and we are launching June 19th. We are launching June 19th. Um, raise your hand if you're, I, I see some Carrollwood folks here. Anybody Carrollwood, Carrollwood, Carrollwood? Yeah, the Carrollwood people here. All right, cool. That's kind of cool, right? You know, when I turned 30, I felt a shift in my heart. Like I knew it was time to start a church. I knew it was time to start a church. I just wasn't sure if, you know, if, it was, if we were going to, you know, launch independently, my wife and I, and just grab a bunch of friends together and just do Holy Spirit stuff until we figured out what we were doing, you know? Um, <laughs> Or if we were to join with another body. And I remember, you know, it just kind of came to a point where it was like, all right, join with the resting place or start an independent church. And I remember asking the Lord. I said, Lord, what should we do here? Um, And he said, what would benefit Tampa more? What would benefit Tampa more? And I said, "Uh, Lord, undoubtedly if we join TRP. Undoubtedly. And I was like 85% sure, you know, when I, when I kind of ambushed Caleb at a coffee shop with a full presentation of, T- of the vision of TRP Carolyn, you know. Uh, but after Caleb and the team said yes to me and my wife, and now I'm 200% sure that this is totally God. And God is on the move. God is on the move. So, uh, cool. Um, so, you guys want to hear some jokes? <laughs> All right. A teenage boy had just passed his driving test and asked his dad if he could start using the family car. The dad said he'd make a deal with his son. You bring your grades up from a C to a B average, uh, study your Bible a little bit, and get a haircut, and we'll talk about the family car. So the boy thought about it for a moment and decided that he'd agreed to the father's terms. After six weeks... The dad said, son, you've brought your grades up and you've, uh, I've observed you studying the Bible. I'm just a little disappointed that you never cut your hair. The boy said, you know, dad, I've been thinking about that. And I've noticed that in my studies of the Bible, Samson had long hair. John the Baptist had long hair. Moses had long hair. And there's even strong evidence that Jesus had long hair. His dad replied, did you also notice that they walked everywhere they went? All right, I got a better one. I got a better one. I got a better one. 
A minister decided that a visual demonstration would add emphasis to his Sunday sermon. So four worms, everybody say four worms. Four worms were placed in separate jars. The first worm was put into a container of alcohol. The second worm was put into a container of cigarette smoke. The third worm was put into a container of chocolate syrup. And the fourth worm was put into a container of good, clean soil. At the conclusion of the sermon, the minister reported the following results. The first worm in the alcohol, dead. The second worm in cigarette smoke, yeah, he's dead. The third worm in chocolate syrup, he's definitely dead. And the fourth worm in good, clean soil is alive and well. So the minister asked the congregation, what, have, what can you tell me, or what have you learned from this demonstration? A little old woman in the back quickly raised her hand and said, as long as you drink alcohol, smoke cigarettes, and eat chocolate, you won't have worms. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we love you so much. You are so good. Thank you that the only thing pursuing my life is your goodness and mercy that follow me every day. Thank you that I am the target of the hot pursuit of your goodness. And today, I get to share in with your goodness with my friends here at TRP Tampa. Lord, I just pray right now that the power of the Holy Spirit would be on the message today. That our hearts would walk away refreshed and recharged, realigned with your will and your ways. We thank you for all these things. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so you've heard Caleb multiple times tell you that he'll give you the bottom line. Uh, I'm going to give you the main point. <laughs> the main point for today is for us to be an effective force on the earth, we must choose to walk in two things. Everyone say two things. God's love and God's power. Love makes it possible for people to be safe to be themselves, but power makes it possible for people to be transformed. Love makes it possible for people to be safe to be themselves, but power makes it possible for people to be transformed. Discernment is required to show us when either love or power is needed. Remember this, the Lord has given the authority of the earth to his church. The Lord has given the authority of the earth to his church. And know this, that means that many of the people that you are waiting for God to transform, he is in fact waiting on you to get involved. Many of the people that you are waiting for God to transform, he is in fact waiting on you to get involved. Hello? Let me explain it to you in a little bit more like comical terms. Love prevents us from going full-blown caring on people. And power enables us to go full-blown Chuck Norris on the enemy. How many of you go Chuck Norris on the forces of darkness? Anybody? Just me? 
But before we expand on that, I need to tell you a little bit more about my story. The Joel you see today wasn't always like this. The Joel you see today wasn't always this joyful. Uh, I'm not going to stand here and profess that I had some kind of horrible childhood. You know, I had a mom and dad and a family that loved me, friends that cared about me, etc. But did you know that by the time I was 13 years old, I was already struggling with violent anger issues? Me. Violent anger issues. I'd argue that most of it was tied to being raised in a broken home that by the age of seven, I had already witnessed multiple divorces from my parents, both being divorced, married, and divorced again. I had been, ab been abused verbally, physically, and molested twice by two male family members. There's no surprise that by the age of 13, I had a mask on in church, but at home and school, I was fighting all the time with my mom, heavily addicted to lust, totally lost on the inside. But God. Before I had the chance to really start making destructive decisions uh, uh, linked to my internal turmoil, I decided to go to a men's retreat called El Encuentro, or The Encounter. And for three days, oof, I worshiped, I wept, I laughed, I danced, I worshiped, I cried some more. And I got to experience the true presence of God in a real life-changing way for the first time in my life. It, 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 I, I finally crossed the divide from knowing about God to finally seeing him face to face. Listen, you can know all there is to know about George uh, Washington, the first president. You can know all there is to know about great leaders of the past, but knowing about them is nothing compared to actually seeing them face to face. And that's the difference that that encounter made for my life. I was raised in church. I had heard all about God. But finally, I got to see his face and know what he was really like. And that transformed me on the inside. It changed me. It did something to me. Woo! And then after that weekend, mm, I shot right back into middle school. No one was safe. Everyone was going to hear the gospel. I mean, I'm in between classes talking to kids, hey, have you, do you know about Jesus? Do you know about him? Do you know he loves you? In fact, it got so ridiculous that, that my nickname, it started in middle school, was priest. Even to this day, I'll be in the hallways at Walmart and people from high school, middle school, be like, hey, priest. <laughs> Am I lying? I'm not lying. <laughs> Yo, priest, what's up? Later years, we went into, <laughs> got to high school, man, and I found a tribe of crazy believers that was just as crazy about Jesus as I was. I mean, my friend, I had friends like, you know, Stephanie Escalante, Chris Maniquez, who's here today from Texas, by the way. Hi, Chris. His, his wife, Rhoda. Uh, David Alonzo, right? I, we were doing like three or four Bible studies a night, four or five different youth groups a week. Like I'm talking, we were hungry. But in that hunger, 
we also took over our high school. We were doing prayer at the flagpole every morning, all right? We were, I was standing at my lunch patio outside three, 400 kids every lunch twice a week without a microphone, preaching the gospel, telling people that there is a way to be saved. You don't have to go to hell. Jesus made a way. Twice a week. I did that for three years on my high school campus. We had led half the football team to Jesus. And I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew. It was, there was a moment that I knew that Sickles was under revival. Sickles, a public high school, was under revival. That after one of my open Bible studies in the middle of lunch, a 16-year-old girl walked up to me and said, with tears in her eyes, she said, can you pray for me? I just had an abortion. Sixteen years old, seventeen years old, radically changed, touched by God. But did you know that none of that happened in a vacuum? Hello? Did you know that to get Joel, this guy, to get Joel from lost to found, from slave to free, from wounded to healed, that it took a small army of people who walked in both love and power that intentionally stepped into my life to point me to Jesus over and over again. Didn't happen by vacuum. Didn't happen through osmosis. It happened because the Holy Spirit had a plan and a powerful church said yes to me. There's too many people to count from multiple churches, multiple backgrounds, all the way from praying parents and families and relatives uh, to great youth pastors, and great pastors in general like the Soto Longos, great youth pastors like the Schatzneiders, the Barreros, the Dotschwitz, um, to friends like Chris Maniquez and Tim Bard and Matthew Hilaire, to spiritual parents like Bobby and Janice Wilmot and Don and Nancy Conwell, to even now people like Pastor Scott, Pastor Jimmy and G uh, Gigi, Caleb hires these people right now. Their job is to make sure I don't go too crazy. <laughs> and they're doing a good job, by the way. <laughs> the point is, everyone say the point is. The point. the point is, I had people inconvenience themselves and work hard to step into my life during a time where I was not easy to love. To ensure that I would not become another statistic lost to the lives of Satan, but would ultimately find my eternal home in the loving arms of Jesus. These people inconvenienced themselves and worked hard and were patient with a very difficult Joel. So now I ask you, I ask you, are we willing to inconvenience ourselves to ensure that there is a home for every heart and that every heart finds a home? I'm asking you, are we willing to inconvenience ourselves to go out of our own way to ensure that there is a home for every heart and every heart finds its own. James chapter five, verse 20. It says, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way 
will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. All right. Now that you know a little bit about my background, now that we know a little bit more about each other, I want you to think about this next question. Where would Joel be if the Holy Spirit and his church hadn't gotten to Joel first? Where would Joel be if the Holy Spirit and his loving church hadn't gotten to Joel first? Would I be married? Would I even still believe in marriage? Would my kids still exist? Would I have the friends and community I have now? The answer is an undeniable no. You wanna know why? Because everything good that I have comes from his hand. Oh, but I am so glad that God's love and power through his church got to me first. Bonzalars, you were part of that. Thank you. Now I want you to think about something else. Now that we have that context in play, I want you to think about the terrible things that have happened in the earth lately. I want you to think about the shootings, the deception, the injustices done by the hands of horribly lost people. And here's my question. What would have happened if we, and I say we, I mean us believers that walk in love and power, us believers, what would happen if we had gotten to them first? What if we had discipled them first? What if we had given them a home and a community first? What if by the power of God, we would have released them from their demonic torment first? What if we would have gotten to the Texas shooter first? How many families would be celebrating Memorial Day weekend together? The ones that are hardest to love are the ones that need love the most. It is vital that we walk in power and love because in some cases, it may even mean life or death. Jesus laid out plenty of examples for us on many of occasions, but one in particular, one in particular stands out. And it's the story of the demonized man in Luke chapter eight. The first thing you're gonna notice about this story of the demonized man in Luke chapter eight is that Jesus sailed through a sea of demons trying to get in his way from getting to this man. Let's read. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's get in the boat and go across to the other side. So they set sail. 
Soon Jesus fell asleep. But a fierce wind arose and became a violent squall that threatened to swamp their boat. Alarmed, the disciples woke Jesus up. Master, master, we're sinking. Don't you care that we're going to drown? With great authority. Everybody say great authority. With great authority, Jesus rebuked the howling wind and surging waves. And instantly, they became calm. Then Jesus said, why are you fearful? Have you lost your faith in me? Shocked, they said with amazement to one another, who is this man that has authority over wind and waves that they obey him? Some scholars believe that there was actual demonic influence on the wind and waves trying to prevent Jesus from reaching the sore because the demons feared losing their grip on the demonized man. Hear me, look, look at me, look at me. Jesus didn't care what storms he needed to sail through or what demons he needed to push out of the way to get to his prize. His prize was seeing a tormented soul finally made at peace. He didn't care. He didn't care what kind of demons stood in his way. He didn't care what kind of cute little storms tried to arise. Did not matter. Did not matter what kind of inconveniences or difficulties it was going to take to get him to seeing this tormented man set free. Are we willing to do the same? Verse 26. As soon as they stepped ashore on the eastern side of the lake of the land of uh, uh, Gerasenes, the disciples were confronted by a demon-possessed madman from a nearby town. I want you to really imagine this, all right? I want you to turn your compassion on for a second. There is a demonized man who the entire townspeople have tried to help and couldn't. Many times he had been put under guard, bound with chains, but the many demons inside him uh, repeatedly thrown him into convulsions, breaking his shackles, driving him out of town into the countryside. He had been demonized for a long time and was living naked in a cemetery among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and screamed out, what are you doing here? Jesus, son of the most high God. Jesus commanded the demons to come out of him. They shouted, we beg you, don't don't torture us. Jesus asked the man, what is your name? Mob, the demons answered. We're a mob for there's many of us in here. We beg you, don't banish us to the abyss. On the hillside nearby, there was a large herd of pigs. The demons had pleaded with Jesus, "Let, let let us enter the pigs. So Jesus ordered the mob of demons to come out of the man and enter the pigs. The crazed herd of swine stampeded over the cliff and into the lake. All of them drowned. When the herders tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off in fear and reported it to the nearby town throughout the countryside. Then the people of the region came out to see for themselves what had happened. When they came to where Jesus was, they discovered the notorious madman totally set free. Totally set free. He was clothed. Yeah, you can clap for that. Jesus still sets people free today. Uh, Totally set free. He was clothed, speaking intelligently, 
and sitting at the feet of Jesus. It says in another translation that he was fully clothed and in his right mind. That's the power of Jesus. You want to know something? Love was what motivated Jesus to make the trip, but power was what gave Jesus the ability to just hurl those demons off of that man. Love and power. Love sends us out on the trip. Power means we don't go empty-handed. After hearing this about such amazing power, the townspeople became frightened. Soon all the people in the region of Granisus uh, and the surrounding country pleaded with Jesus for them to leave him. They were all gripped with fear. So Jesus got into the boat, intending to return to Galilee. But the man who had been set free begged Jesus over and over not to leave, saying, let me be with you. I didn't share this in the first service, but as I was thinking about this, Jesus said later, hey, it's better for you that I leave, because when I leave, the helper will come. You know, I bet you think Jesus was thinking about that man. He's like, that man still needs me. But now by my spirit, I can be with all men. I can be with all, all, all of God's children. I can be with all of them. All, every man, woman, and child. By my spirit, I can be with you all. Let me say this. There are going to be cases where we can't get there first. Yeah? Let's make it a point to get there first. Let's make it a point to get to these people and, and save them before they need saving. You feel me? Yeah? Let's make it a point. Hello? Yes? You, let, let's make it a point to get there first. But there's going to be cases where we can't get there to the lost ones first. Fine. Guess what? We'll get there next. When tragedy strikes, when calamity strikes, we may not have been there first to prevent it, Ooh, but I say this as a warning to all the forces of darkness planning against Tampa Bay. Let them all hear this. I say this as a warning. When tragedy strikes, when calamity strikes, we may not have been there first to prevent it. Oh, but we'll be there next to redeem it and to restore it. With love in our hearts and power in our hands. Let's have the prayer team come on up. Gigi, if you want to play something for me. Love shows compassion for the man with the wounded back. Power declares that that man will be healed. Love shows understanding of the person grieving for a lost loved one. Power gives them the ability to move on. Let me give you some good news. But you well, this is great, but you know, I, I feel rather inadequate. Love and power already exist inside of you. You don't need some kind of special course. You don't need seven steps to being a holier version than yourself. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of talk, but of power. And guess what? The Bible also says that the kingdom is in you. The Bible says that God is love. The Bible also says that God is in you. So that means you got love in you and you got power in you. 
So what does this mean? There are people right now, right this moment that the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart that you need to go and step into their life. Don't delay. You already have everything you need. God is with you. God is in you. His kingdom is behind you. His angels travel with you. You got everything you need. Well, I'm still not really convinced. All right, fine. If you're not convinced, then look to the cross. What? Yeah, look to the cross. You want to know why? Because the cross was the perfect combination of both love and power. In his love for us, he took all of our punishment, all of our sin, all of our shame. He drank the full cup of the wrath of the Father. In his body, he absorbed all of our sicknesses, infirmities, and diseases. But you know what else? The Bible says that at the cross, he made a spectacle of the forces of darkness. He embarrassed the foundations of hell when he carried his cross. Oh, but wait, there's more. Because on the third day, it's my opinion that the cross would have been enough. But you know what? Jesus' his his style is more than enough. That's his style. On the third day, he rose from the dead as the undisputed name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and earth and every tongue confess that Christ is the Lord. That obnoxious, over-the-top, ridiculous, dunamis resurrection power lives in you and I. The Bible says that resurrection power now lives in me and lives in you. So now's not a time to wait. Now's the time to take action. What if we get there next? Let me tell you this. If not us, then who? And if not now, then when? Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.